Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's guest is Rosie Brandreth, pointer, veterinary surgeon and semi-finalist on the British Bake Off 2019. She's a huge animal lover working as a vet with animals such as horses, dogs, and cats, and has three dogs, a horse, snakes, lizards, a tortoise, chickens, and ducks of her own. She has a multitude of recipes for humans and pets on her website, rosieandrolfbake.co.uk. And it is an honor to welcome her on the show today, Hello, Rosie. Namaste, Namapa, and thank you for coming on the show today. Hello. Thank you for having me. How are you today? How's it going? I'm really good, thank you. We've got a lovely sunshine here. Yes, I noticed. We are slowly getting a little bit of sun too. And um, thank you for your time and your effort to come on the show. Uh, I guess uh, we should just let the listeners know we we met through a uh, online charity event we both collaborated with those lovely girls from um, Sheffield University uh, who were raising money for a cancer charity and uh, it's really interesting because we haven't met actually face to face or anything like that but we sort of kind of got to know about each other through this mutual fundraiser event which was a lot of fun on Saturday how did it go for you it was great it was it was lovely and that's such a sort of thing of this year isn't it meeting people without ever actually meeting them exactly and so it's gonna be so novel i think we get a little bit back to normal and you know we can actually physically meet people again It'd be wonderful absolutely and um it, it's just so wonderful that you you said you were uh happy to come on the show as well i mean how many dogs do you have at the moment in your house um i've got three dogs i've got a very large husky <coughs> staffy who that is introducing himself at the moment with a bark um, I've also got two smaller hand-reared dogs. I've got a bulldog and a Frenchie that were both misfits from cesareans I did that were, were poorly dogs as tiny puppies. Um, so I, I took them on and hand-reared them and they stayed. So none of them were planned. I wanted one medium-sized sensible dog to drive around on my vet visits with. And I've effectively got a wolf and then two small little piggies. That is incredible. What a story. Now, that is a unique story in itself that you actually sort of help giving birth to them. And so the so what happened was, uh, were they abandoned dogs? I mean, I presume they were too weak uh, to be 
given to owners or something like that? What's the story behind it? They were both really, really lovely breeders, actually, um, who didn't want to just give up on the puppies, but they both have medical issues. The French bulldog has an issue with his soft palate. Um, so that took um, a lot of work at the start. And um, the English bulldog was born with his back legs sort of twisted, so his feet were facing the wrong way up. But he came right with a lot of physiotherapy and hydrotherapy. He was swimming in the bath as soon as his eyes were open, obviously being held with supervision. But yeah, they, they've both done really, really well. And I mean, Arnold, the English bulldog, he became my dog when he was about an hour old. And obviously I delivered him. So we've been together right from the start. Do you choose your dogs? Do the jo- dogs choose you? Is there a, you know, is there a moment? Because Robbie, Robbie's a rescue. And the first time I saw him in the park, and he belonged to a very wealthy Arabic family, at that time, I didn't know that this dog oh, wow. will become my dog. Yeah, it's a very sad story. I can't even go into it. But I didn't know at that time that this dog was going to become my dog. And yet I had a very strong feeling. And I was very drawn to Robbie. The moment I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, he's so cute. And I went up to this tiny little handbag, Maltese baby terrier, carried by this Arabic, you know, a girl, a wealthy family and all this. And they had just purchased him on that day. And I wouldn't have thought this was going to become my dog and change my life. I mean, completely change my life around uh, with all the shows with Dogan and everything, which actually leads me to the thing of the great British bake-off. Gosh. I mean, I was on Britain's Got Talent with Robbie, and that was just one episode. I mean, it was exhausting. I didn't think, I didn't, little did I know what would come out of it years down the line from, you know, it's a 2017 emission. And it, people don't stop talking about it. It's always, oh, but Britain's Got Talent. Oh, Marnie from Britain's Got Talent. Oh, Marnie from Britain's Got Talent. Oh, Robbie from Britain's Got Talent. Oh, my. And I'm like, this is like ancient years ago. It was just a one-off. Tell me a little bit about the experience. How exhausting or how exciting was the, the first one, the 2019 one? Tell me, did you expect anything of it? To, be, to, to turn out this way? Definitely not. I mean, I never imagined in a million years that I'd get on the show. I mean, they have sort of nearly 20,000 applicants a year. So it still completely blows my mind that I was even picked to be on it, never mind the rest of it. But yeah, I mean, it was crazy exhausting. We were filming all weekend, every weekend, sort of really, really long filming days. And I was working as a full-time vet in between. So I was still working long, long days of all during the week and being on calls or working nights as well as days, some of them. So yeah, it was totally exhausting, but absolutely worth it. What does a veterinary surgeon got to do with baking? I mean, where does the baking come in there? Did the baking come first? Did the surgery come first? I think baking was always my sort of relaxing thing to do because obviously being a vet is, is quite a, a high stress intense job. So baking was always my sort of relaxing, sort of chill out thing to do in the evenings um I mean it's not my relaxing chill out thing well it still it still is to a point um but I'm so lucky that I'm I'm able to sort of I've been able to turn it into sort of a a second career alongside my veterinary yeah I mean it's just just been crazy I can't imagine so you had absolutely no no time off and how many episodes did you film yeah I mean I obviously filmed nine nine episodes and then went back 
for the 10th episode because obviously we all went back for for the garden party at the final so that was 10 weeks worth and I did a, a one in four on call rotor so obviously should have been doing some of those weekends but I had the loveliest loveliest boss who swapped with me and each time I got through I was like oh, oh could you do my weekend next week please and yeah so without that there's no way I'd have been able to do it so I was I was very fortunate to be in a position where I had the support. And you had to keep it all hush-hush, no? I mean, when you're on a show like this, you, oh, yeah. you're not really allowed to talk about it. Because I remember I wasn't allowed to say anything until um, it came out. And I had to pretend. And then I was invited on these shows mm. and pretended that I had done the audition yesterday. But that was three months ago. It was so confusing. It's incredibly hard i cannot imagine how you could work under this pressure i mean filming i mean did you was there a moment where can i say did you ever lose it halfway through you know i mean just like really think i can't go any further this is too much this is too exhausting or did you really enjoy the whole process of being filmed and oh yeah baking oh you do you like pressure right <laughs> well I'm very used to pressure. I mean, I'm a vet. I went to Cambridge University, so I've always done high pressure, you know, never taken sort of the easy route. Um, but no, I loved it when we were on set filming. Not not that it felt like filming. It just felt like we were just all having a great time. Right. Um, and then it's a bit weird watching it back. So I'm like, ah, oh, they filmed us. Um, but yeah, during the weeks, I would get really, really stressed and sort of running out of ingredients and... You know, and then my poor husband was doing 3 a.m. trips to the supermarket for me uh, on the nights when I was trying to practice baking or I'd be trying to practice. Then I get called back into work and it was it was crazy. So it, it was mega stressful, but I don't regret doing it at all. Absolutely. And but baking has always been part of your life. Uh, it says that you would bring a lot of uh, you would bring cakes and biscuits and things to staff throughout your whole career. You always baked for for people is that a thing that that makes you um happy mm. you know the giving process of uh yeah baking yes. absolutely and i mean to to study as a vet you have to do a lot of sort of work experience placements and then all of your placements once you're actually a student so obviously all the placements in veterinary practices but also farms and all sorts um and so it was sort of a thank you thing to to turn up with baking during these placements um, because I mean, how much use I, I really was on a pig farm is negligible, but I took them cake. So, you know, I felt that I, I justified my presence there by by feeding the farmers, even if my, my pig mucking out skills were not not exemplary. So you got through everything just by baking your way through life. <laughs> just baking, baking, baking. When did it start the baking? Because I when I was five, seven years old, I always imagined myself to be on a baking show and I would just set up the kitchen with all these ingredients. Yes. And I don't know where I got this from. It was a hi and welcome. Today's ingredients are, and what <laughs> happened was I didn't know how to say, I, I can't bake to save my life, honestly, but I always did a great presentation. And what I love is the whole kind of, you know, whip, whipping the eggs and then looking into the camera. I just Aww. always wanted to be a presenter, really, to be honest. I just on a show so when did you start baking how old were you when you actually start burning the oven <laughs> when did you start cooking and baking really young um i was making sort of cookies and brownies and things when i was sort of three or four 
um, and always driving my poor mother mad. My my mother who doesn't really bake, um, so I was trashing the kitchen every weekend as a small child. But I've I've got a nut allergy, um, and when I was a child, they they weren't common. So I learned to bake so that I could try the foods that other people had. Um, so that was a part of it. That is fascinating because in those days they didn't have that many allergies, and in my days they didn't have any allergies at all. But this is incredible. So you 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 just started baking for yourself. Did you make up your own little recipes and things? Did you just by the age of five did you know how to mix ingredients and things? Or absolutely not. I thought I did. I, I did the classic sort of you know five year old. I want a bigger cake, so I'm going to put all of the baking powder in the cake, and it will make a really big cake. Um, I think my poor dad actually tried to eat some of that to, to save my feelings, but that was absolutely vile. Um, but no, no, that was very much, you know, from baking picture books and things at that age. So, yeah, no, writing my own recipes came rather later. <laughs> and when did it become a more um, ambitious thing, a more serious thing? Was it around your teens or? Yeah, I think probably sort of the later years of university. In the first three years when I, I lived in, in college, um, we had a toaster and a microwave and a hot plate, so very little in the way of baking. Um, and then when I moved out into a into a sort of student house, sort of got really really keen and got really back into it and started you know taking it all a bit more seriously at that point. And we all made each other's birthday cakes at vet school, obviously all animal themed. Um, and then my friends would have to make my cakes because I'd I'd make everybody else's, and so then they'd have to do mine. And they'd all team together to do it. And I think the best one was one year where they made a, a full vivarium out of um, gingerbread biscuit, um, complete with a little snake in a hide. And it was a brilliant, brilliant cake. So that was so much fun when we used to do that. Goodness. So, so baking for animals, making food for animals, when did that happen? Um, I mean, I baked sort of the odd things for sort of the family dogs when I was younger, but it wasn't until... I had my own dogs once I was, you know, sort of a qualified vet that I then started making them treats, mainly from looking at the packets of sort of commercial treats and biscuits, which I, I do still buy. I don't don't make everything, but just reading all the junk ingredients that were in a lot of the foods I was buying them and all the chemicals that I would never eat myself. So I didn't want to be putting into my dogs. Um, and also the way they go absolutely crazy for biscuits that you bake them, which are fairly flavorless rocks on it lumps of nothing it just shows how how bland sort of the the shop bought ones must be considering how how much more you know excitable they are for for homemade ones so it's so worth it absolutely and what is it that you don't use in your pet bake and and what is it that you do use i mean is there something very specific uh that you're passionate about you know, avoiding or using, you know? Yeah, obviously avoiding all sort of toxic ingredients, which shockingly do actually feature in quite a lot of dog foods. Um, obviously, anything related sort of to onions and garlic, um, things like that are all very toxic to dogs. And if you read the ingredients, some of these things do pop up in, in dog mixtures and things, which is quite shocking, really. Um, but the main thing is the fat content. If you look at commercial treats, sort of one you know, not great dental chew, will have two and a half days worth of your dog's fat allowance in. Um, and it's gone in 10 seconds. Um, in a lot of these sort of chewy treats, you can give them three treats and that is over their fat allowance. And obviously they still have their, you know, their balanced, their main food, 
their you know their proper sort of dog food so I was trying to make much sort of lower fat treats you know for you know when you're training them and doing exercises with them so they can have something that they love which is not so fatty because that is one of the main things that we're dealing with as vets at the moment especially after lockdown is massive pet obesity crises and human obesity as well <laughs> both together at the same oh, yeah. time I think oh yeah it- it's incredibly hard and 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 though i've i've been walking robbie uh, at least six seven hours a day in total because there's nothing else to do we've been going through walks and everything no i mean you know because that's all you can do you go out you take your dog out but there is a sort of uh it's funny that because the dogs also sort of have become a bit sluggish in a way like we have it's 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 funny you but kind of start becoming the same person but um back to uh certain uh, so, there's two things. Um, when did you want to become a, a veterinary surgeon? Is that something you wanted to do from, from childhood onwards? Or, or is that something that f- fell into, you know, did you want to become a vet first? Or, I mean, was that an ambition from, from early childhood? Sort of. I, I, I wanted to work with animals. That, that was all I knew. I mean, I grew up with so many animals in the household. We had... I think six cats and two dogs um, when I was born. And I, I literally grew up playing with my toys on the dog. I had a gorgeous red setter who I used to pile all my toys on. So yeah, I always wanted to work with animals. And once at the age of about three, I realized I couldn't actually be a pony when I grew up. Um, it sort of went from there. Obviously went through all the different ideas. At one point I wanted to be a police dog handler. I wanted to be a zookeeper, you know, all the things you go through as a child and then settled on vet because I wanted to, wanted to make a difference. You know, all the, the wonderful sort of idyllic ideas you have as a, a young teenager thinking that, you know, you're going to change the world, but I just wanted to save the puppies really. Were you prepared to also lose animals, you know, during an operation? I mean, did you know it involved losing animals or uh you know saving animals but also losing animals how do you prepare yourself for this i mean yes and no you you know it going into it and you always am you know you're gonna you know be putting animals to sleep and you sort of go into it thinking well i'll be putting the really sick really old animals to sleep you know i'll be doing the kind thing but it's not it's not always that way they're not always old you know you have dogs that have got incurable cancer at six months old you've got behavior issue animals so you know, that side of it is really hard. And if you do have an, an anesthetic death in a otherwise, well, presumed to be healthy animal, then that is that just destroys everybody in the practice. Everybody is devastated if something like that happens. And that, that is hard. That is really hard and not something you get used to or should get used to. That's what I was wondering, whether you ever get used to it and should get used to it. Because I wonder if we, not, not me, but doctors and all these surgeons that get hardened up in a way, you know, over time and sort of just distance and emotionally mm. distance um, and whether that is such a good thing. But you must have nerves to deal with. I mean, surgery, do you, do you ever, I mean, do you, have a, do you ever have a bad day where you think, oh my God, I can't do this? <laughs> or I, I, do you have any ways to calm yourself down before surgery as well? Oh, yeah. Because this is a yoga show, by the way, <laughs> leading <laughs> to yoga. <laughs> what, what, how do you calm yourself down? I mean, yeah, there are really stressful situations. Um, I work as an out-of-hours vet now. So whenever I'm operating, I'm operating on a sick animal, you know, and it's high stakes. It's, you know, sort of, you, you've got to get it right to save the animal sort of thing. But yeah, there are stressful things. And I think the best way to be in the right mindset and be calm 
is having the right team around you, having, you know, supportive nurses, but also everybody gets in, everyone has their own sort of little routines beforehand. I mean, I will always lay out my surgical instruments and then stand there and there are always some breathing exercises that I still do now, you know, unless the animal is literally bleeding out, in which case you don't, you know, that's a different, different situation. Um, but but an, it was actually an equine surgeon taught me um, which I always do once I'm ready and all my instruments are there before picking up my scalpel you always do run through you know just 10 seconds worth of breathing exercises just to be focused and ready to start and I also now have a scrub hat with my dogs on so I've got them with me in theatre oh that's oh how wonderful can you explain the breathing exercise because I'm very interested in what they've taught you whether that is similar to the the yoga breathing do you can you talk us through this i mean obviously we are sterile so <laughs> you can't move around much but literally just breathing in and just imagining the air going right down and out of your feet into the floor doing that three times and then starting and because i was taught that as a student by a vet it's just become part of my routine doing that you know you've done your breathing then you pick your scalpel up check with the anesthetist and make your incision that's just my routine now as that unless you know the it's literally you don't have those 10 seconds um you know if you've got an animal that's hemorrhaging it's rather different rather different you know going in on those ones incredible and what's how can i say what is priority at the moment may i ask this question uh you, your future will it continue with the surgery or will the baking take over do you want to balance the two things i also know that charity work is important to you uh, how are you going to do this <laughs> all together i mean i'm i'm really lucky that i can do both at the moment because i work as an emergency vet i work night shifts so i work seven nights on and then have 14 off which means that for that one week i'm a vet and only a vet and then in my two weeks off i am a baker and that's what I do then. So I have got a really clear sort of split at the moment and it, it works for me. Whereas before trying to do even sort of working part time, you know, sort of doing both during the days, everything, it just having the separation and having the two sort of totally separate, separate careers at separate times sort of thing works works for me that is interesting that you're saying that because i'm starting a part-time job as a carer for autistic clients oh. and it's going to be a residential home oh, wow yeah and i i'm very interested in autism actually my brother's autistic oh. and uh autism has always fascinated me and i'm actually their yoga teacher as well and yoga teacher so i use robbie in oh. my yoga classes with my my my, my clients that live in the resident and because i've been looking for something to complement uh yoga and lockdown and everything I suddenly was offered a job as a carer and it's my first time I will be doing nights as well so I'm like Ooh, am I gonna have any energy the next day to, to focus on the doga and potentially you know mm. like you said you, you you do on also online or presentation or or you know collaborations or or mm. say a journalist comes and you have to do an interview and things like that and how do you sometimes I, I, I was just wondering you do you panic or you say no no those two weeks are for this yeah and Rosie cooking baking is this because it's really hard to mix the things and you get very confusing all over the place I think so the work week what I can't do is you know do too much during the day because I, I need to sleep in the day I, I work through the night so I have to sleep and what I can't do is plan baking things during the day 
which is then going to then compromise, you know, my vet work at night. And equally, I wouldn't do a good job of the baking work if I'm tired from doing the nights. So I am really, really strict sort of with myself and with my diary that, you know, work week, vet work week is vet time and the other two weeks is baking time. So I think you need to just be just be careful and look after yourself and don't don't agree to do things when when you're going to be too tired and you can't because it's not good for you. Mm. And I guess it helps maybe having a manager or something like that, which I've never, I've never found the manager for Doga. They always said, oh, it's niche, it's niche, it's niche. And and actually it would have been very helpful because I did um, overdo mm. it and did too much. And sometimes you just burn out doing too many things, especially with television, especially in the old days, there was so much TV going on, television companies trying to film, 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 and they want it now. They don't, they're not going to wait mm. a week later or you, you know, someone invites you on a TV show. You have to be there for their slot. It's really hard. It, it, do you see yourself as a potential, well, I can say a TV celebrity. Could you see yourself in the television world, baking for dogs and, you know, taking your baking to the next level for canine? If they were to offer you some, some baking show, would you, would you take it on? <laughs> Uh, not in, not not too sure what the demand will be for that, but you know I've always said I'm open to to any opportunities, and you know we'll try try anything. So, you know if somebody wanted to commission a dog baking program, then absolutely I would be there. Dog baking and dog yoga program. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's the next step. <laughs> baking. I see a dog show like the Alan Titchmarsh show, and it's like, and today we're gonna go to here's Rosie. So today we're going to book, then you move to a bit of Doga, then you have a super vet and, you know, like a whole kind of TV show. But anyway, that's just me. Going. <laughs> it, there's got to be, there's got to be a show for just, just for dogs. There, there's got to be just a, but, um, yes. So coming to the nook and cranny, have you heard of Doga before? Have you heard of yoga for you and your dog? Or, or was this something you heard for the first time when you did the event? with the girls um honestly yes i have gone to a yoga session with a goat in the past with baby <laughs> goats um but i have never done done doga and mainly because i have my dogs are on the large and excitable side of things <laughs> so no it's i mean it yeah it's something that i i'd sort of vaguely heard of but not something that i'd ever really investigated so i'm i'm intrigued i've obviously watched your session oh and have watched a few bits and pieces but no i am very much new to this yes well the thing is i uh, usually i mean because of lockdown i haven't had any real sessions uh, other than online and um Mm-hmm. unlike baking it, it, you know you don't have such a personal touch or maybe you do with your baking ingredients but you know to have the dog there live with other people the touch mm-hmm. the brushing past that already releases quite a lot of um stress hormones in the human brain uh, we can talk about obviously you will know <laughs> medically uh, oxytocin uh, the cortisol uh, serotonin all sorts of things are released when you anyway when you do yoga and there's an animal involved there the the the, the touch in itself but whether it's going to work for dogs that's another thing and it has not been researched yet scientifically 
because we haven't got any money in this country, uh, to, to actually research what does it really do to a dog when the dog comes into a human yoga session? Does it release the same kind of hormones potentially? I mean, they must have oxytocin and serotonin as well in the brain. Is that uh, in the brain? I mean, serotonin in the gut. But um, is it is it the same thing? They, they do. They do. Right. Oh, I'm close. I'm getting closer to my experiment. I would love to research this. And just even if it was to see whether the heart rate of the dog and the pulse just regulates as the owner's pulse regulates simultaneously and whether this is a symbiotic thing, completely symbiotic. If we could monitor that, that would be an absolutely amazing thing. So coming to Doga, mm. so the whole thing about Doga is, is that the dog is actually, it's not the dog that has to do the yoga. It, the dog doesn't need to do anything whatsoever in terms of uh, positioning. So it's ah. actually a yes. And when I explain that makes a lot more, yeah. That's good. I was, try I was imagining having to try and balance with the dog. <laughs> exactly. So what you're doing now is you just gently dog, you'd be doing this, the same thing, but you'd be in a yoga position, in a human yoga pose, like, I don't know, a cross-legged or okay. legs. And then if dog, a large dog, brushes past you, you can reach back if they want to interact you can sort of start using your hands but all the while all the while through the doga process or yoga process you're breathing through your nose you're breathing through your nose in and out and you're creating a deep sound in the back of your throat which is called ujjayi breathing and that is a slight contraction in the glottis so we could try this today and you can use that breathing before you go into surgery, you know. <laughs> yeah. But we're also going to monitor what happens if you change the breath. So we're going to do three different types. I've, I've done this a lot on my show, but three different types of breathing. And I just want to see how the dogs respond. And you can see for yourself okay. how your dogs respond when you change the breath. So that's a bit of a uh, science, science, scientific experiment. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you like this podcast, then why not check out one of our other amazing Create Podcasts? If you just want a good laugh, then check out The Weekly Roast. Listen. Listen, bitch. Oh, Listen, make, make, make an entrance. I'm a week off sugar. Bad in the house. I will, I will fly <laughs> to the UK and I will cut you both. <laughs> for the more cultured ones among you, join Laura Wright for music in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm so glad no one can see me right now because I'm doing. I was doing some weird dance moves. <laughs> Prefer a deep chat? Connie's got you covered on How Are You, the Wellbeing Podcast. I just became a lot more productive and happier. And for me, like, that's just worth it. The Weekly Roast, Music in My Life, and How Are You? Just three more podcasts to feast your ears on. Find them wherever you found this podcast. Let's see where we go with this. So I have Robbie here, and I think we should just keep... The best thing, you know what, Rosie, let's just focus on ourselves. We're going to sit upright and we'll see later how the dogs respond. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Welcome, Rosie, to Dogo. Now, first, I don't want you to worry about Ralph at all. Just let Ralph absolutely where he is settle. We're going to work on our breathing. So if you want to place both hands on your knees and maybe the palms turned upwards. Just think of an upright, yeah, with the palms rotated up, that's it, allowing the shoulders to drop. And Ralph will start walking around you and wants to be part. Now, if he's with you, you may want to take your legs wide apart. Um, how is it with the jeans? Are you able to take your legs a little wider today, like a wide open leg position? Because he might just come between your legs and then you have a better way of bringing him into the position. That's wonderful, good. So what we're gonna do now is we're going to do the breath of fire. Now in yoga, it's called <laughs> Kabalbati. And you're gonna do this. You stick your tongue out and you exhale fully. And you're panting like a dog, but what it does, it, it releases CO2 from your lungs. So it's an exhale, a sharp exhale, the tongue goes out and just think of a, a panting dog and let's see what happens. Let's go. Just keeping your spine straight, focus on your belly, you're drawing your navel in and you're doing this. So let your tongue loose. Great. And let's go. It's a sharp exhalation. He'll come. See how quiet. Oh. And just pull your belly in on the exhalation. (laughs) 
you're allowed to laugh, by the way. It's okay. <laughs> and from there, slowly inhale through the open mouth like this. And slowly exhale. Keep your mouth open. Inhale. And slowly exhale. And now using the breath, just take your right arm over. And reach across, extending the arm all the way across out to the side. And just keep the breath going, inhaling. Slowly exhaling, lengthening the intercostal muscles, slowly inhaling. And slowly exhaling and then coming back up on the inhale, exhale, release and swap sides. Take the other arm up on the inhale. And then exhale, reach up over and across and keep breathing. Ralph is watching. Inhale, lengthen your breathing. The most important is, is that he can hear your breath. Open mouth breathing. Keep focusing on the breath. Inhale. Exhale. Good. Lengthen the breath. Inhale. Exhale. <laughs> and then from there, slowly come back up and just take a forward bend. Just walk your hands forward. Just take a forward flexion. Relax your head. And keep breathing. Now, this is a great moment if Ralph was there. <laughs> Inhale. Exhale. Relax your head down. Inhale. Exhale. They usually play up when you don't give them attention. So this is quite normal. Using the breath. Inhale. Exhale, and then slowly walking your hands back in again. Very nice. Now we want to grab Ralph. Keep your legs wide open. See if he can draw Ralph into the position. And bring him between your legs if you can. Good. And now look at him. Hold his collar uh, slightly with one hand. And just do your breath of fire again. Really make contact with him when you're doing your doggy panting. Make contact. He might lick your face. Stick your tongue out and pant like a dog. <laughs> Very good. They'll start barking. It's normal. Stay with the breath. Very 
very good. Keep going. Emphasize the breath. Great. Now, really rub his belly. Start rubbing his belly as you're doing your breathing. And inhale through your nose now. Slow, deep breath through the nose. Inhale. Slow exhale through the nose. Slow inhale. Slow exhale. Notice the difference in yourself as you take more breath. Inhale. Letting go of tension in your body. Exhale. And now, Rosie, what you could do if Rolf stays settled, swing your right leg over so you can sort of face him and with a wide open leg fold over him so you need to bring your right leg oh, yeah there you go swing it over well done rosie take a deep breath inhale and now exhale gently lean forward and bring your hands on rolf release the head so he's like a bolster for you very nice inhale Exhale and just fully breathe into him. Let it happen. Inhale. Exhale. <laughs> Someone's gone again. Inhale. And obviously you can feel the stretch in your hips as well. Exhale. I love the contact that you have with Rolf. Inhale. Exhale. And if you have a moment, just lift your head up and do that breath of fire again. He will come. <laughs> Very nice. Keep going. And again, inhale through your nose. Exhale through your nose and maybe massage the backs of the ears now as you have him there using the length of your breath through the nose. Inhale. Exhale. So you're regulating your breathing system. Inhale. Exhale. Let him hear your breath. Inhale. Exhale. Someone wants something going on there. That's it. Oh, the other one. Inhale. 
Excellent. So we're going to try something really funny. And you got you to gotta have a sense of humor in yoga. Just bring the palms into prayer position. We're going to try our breathing and we're going to chant Om. Om, the classic Om. So you can cross your legs or keep your legs open. And let's see how Ralph responds to our chanting. Because sound, sound is a big thing for dogs. Taking a deep breath, inhale. Follow my lead. <laughs> this is good. Very nice. And again, inhale. Keep going. <laughs> And again, inhale a little longer. <sighs> this is good. This is working. Take another breath. Inhale. <sighs> <laughs> He's watching you one more. Come on. <laughs> and now we just say Shanti. Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. <laughs> Shanti means peace, peace, peace. <laughs> Shanti. <laughs> it's not us. Why don't you take? No. Why, Rosie? Why don't you take the cushion for a second? to you just take the cushion close to you grab it and can you yes oh here we go because i was just going to say there's one more pose that's really nice <laughs> okay and it just hold the cushion uh, so what we're going to do now just rosie this is the last one just slide your cushion underneath your buttock cheeks and sit back on your heels in child's pose where you've bend over and you relax your head down let's see what happens there with ralph just bringing the cushion back <laughs> just press your bum bum down really push that uh, cushion squeeze and bend forward and just relax your head down see what happens if you're using the breath oh it doesn't matter that is just unfair. <laughs> that you just stole mommy's yoga bolster. <laughs> Let's try one more time. That's a no. That is a no. That is a no. Be aware. 
Yes, Ralph. Okay. Mommy's gonna you take her child's pose position. Just relax your head down and just breathe one more time in and out. And just relax your very good, Rosie. Just relax your head. Try and relax your body. Don't hold any tension. Slowly inhale. Slowly exhale. Slowly inhale. This is good. Stay with that posture. This is good. Try not to lift your head. He's coming to sniff your bum. Slowly exhale. Just breathe through your nose. Slowly inhale. And exhale. A lot with Doga is more your dog's behavior during the session. And it's really difficult at the beginning to understand that because you just want to scream. But if you can, just find how much tension you're holding in your body. If you can start to release that and kind of ignore Ralph. It is the beginning of the Doga process. And eventually Ralph will settle his energy too. Slowly relax your head down one more time. And then from there, slowly lift your head off the floor and just sit back on your heels and ignore Ralph. Just one more time, sitting back on your heels. You're going to just sit upright like this and place your hands on your knees and slowly just observe the breath, inhaling through the nose. Try not to get distracted by the cushion. I know it's annoying. Exhale through your nose. And just one more time, close your right nostril and just... Close off your right nostril and just breathe through your left nostrils. So you're just breathing fully through your left nose. Lengthening the breath, ignoring Ralph. Inhale through your left nostril. Exhale through the left nostril. Inhale through the left nostril. Exhale through the left nostril. You should start feeling a bit calmer. Just releasing the breath. Try not to focus on anything else other than your breathing. Doing great, Rosie. Just two more breaths. Just notice how your shoulders relax a bit more. 
And remember what you said, bringing the body, bringing the weight through uh, the body and into the ground before you do your surgery, just connecting to that earth's gravity. And then the dog starts to observe your energy. And they might actually get something out of it, some calm as well. He's going to sleep now. That's so <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so let's close one more time, bringing the palms into prayer position. We are going to close with Om. One more time, take a deep breath through your nose. Exhale through your nose. Inhale through your nose. Exhale through your nose and just focus on the sound that you're going to be making now. Slowly inhale. And then we bow our heads to our dogs in gratitude and we say Na-ma-paw. Na-ma-paw, Rosie. Na-ma-paw, Ralph. Na-ma-paw for a very, very intense and quick introduction to Doga, who would have thought? Really well done, Rosie, for just staying with it. That was, that was tough. How, how does that, does that feel? Like, you can be honest, totally honest about this transition. <laughs> that was good fun. I do feel like I've probably had the worst behaved dog you have ever had, but it was good fun. Yes, and I guess this is, this is one of those things, and Robbie wants to go to the loop. I can't believe he's doing it now. He's been to the loop like a 20 billion times, but he's going to go again. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> opening the garden door. Uh, uh, so this is one of the things with uh, Doga. You can imagine with a lot of owners in a collective class, the class is 90 minutes, so you have time. You really have time to get through that process of giving up on your dog it's almost like you have to give up <laughs> and everybody else around you will go through the same experience some dogs will bark more some dogs will run around some will find anything to chew but um the idea is is not to get too involved in what's going on but really focus on the breathing it's a does that make any sense um that you know uh, the technique would that make any sense to you or would that be extremely daunting say for a new owner to 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 come to a class like this i mean it it does make sense and it is something that is useful to do because it's so easy to get distracted by what your dogs are doing mm, absolutely you know sort of normally so actually learning to sort of switch off is definitely useful Ah, uh, it's very nice. I mean, he's, he's fast asleep now. Like, literally, he's snoring. <laughs> yeah, you should turn the laptop because it would be amazing to see it. Because it happens so fast when the breath changes in the owner. 
and the owner releases, the dog picks up really quickly. Oh my God, the before and after Ralph. Oh my goodness, what happened to Ralph? See all that breathing mummy's doing, well done. Well done, I'm so glad it had a tiny little effect. So Rosie, it's amazing. That's just a, sh a sign that you're extremely connected with Ralph and I think Doga would do the world of good. That 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 would be an amazing experience if you did 90 minutes. <laughs> your, your dog's gonna be catatonic. Rosie, thank you for being such an incredible sport. What do you reckon? What do you think, Ralph? Shall we do some Doga? Oh, thank you very much for having us. What do you reckon? Next time, come to our studios in Holborn. It'll be amazing. And not just that, I have a million questions. Imagine taking you. Absolutely. I have a million questions about million recipes because I'm trying to bake a birthday cake for Robbie. But we just didn't get around it. So we would love Aww. to have you as a guest again on the show with lots of tips and ideas and uh, if you're happy with that. And uh, Rosie, thank you for giving so much time uh, to this interview and it's been an amazing experience. Ralph, is there anything else you want to say? <laughs> there you go. It's totally done. Fantastic. Well, Robbie's saying Namapo. Yes. Namaste. Thank you, Rosie, and all oh. the best for your career and your future. Wishing you uh, lots of lots of cakes. <laughs> Take good care. <laughs> Namaste, Rosie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, Jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.